0: welcome to cre power hour my name is lisa marie wand i'm here with the one the only stephanie gillison my co-host and stephanie and i have spent the last two decades growing and scaling our businesses and together we're bringing you a brand new space for you to learn alongside the best in the real estate business at cre power hour and today our guest is kathy mulgrew she hails from dallas texas and we're so excited to have her on the show so let's get right to it hi kathy welcome and thanks so much for being here Mm -hmm. On CRE Power Hour today.
1: Hello, ladies. I'm uh, very excited to be here to join you. It's always awesome to see two kick-ass women <laughs> back at I you, just doing the business like they're doing the business. So yeah, I'm happy to be here. Do you want to I tell mean, us
0: about your your how your journey of getting into commercial real estate? Just give us the highlights and overviews of your career because you you've. you've You've had some major successes, and we'd
1: love to share those with our audience. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So um, I graduated from college many, many years ago with a degree in psychology, and had uh, every intention of moving forward in a a psychology role. Was working on my master's, and um, I had ran out of money, so I had to go find a job. And the first job that I was offered with a college degree, as while I was working on my master's, with was a real estate company. That is literally how I ended up in real estate. I, I know there's many stories out there like that that you know I had no intention of being in the real estate industry and um, joined my first company was Heinz. I didn't realize at the time what a great company that was. Again, it was just somebody that was willing to pay me, you know the first year. That I went to work and uh, what a great opportunity that was. And I had a boss, actually it was my boss's boss, who um, took me under his wing and he said, you know, your degree in psychology is so useful in this industry. This is a people business. And so your ability to study human behavior and really understand how to, how to negotiate and persuade and is really going to work so well in this industry. And he encouraged me to get my real estate license, which I did. And he was a big proponent um, in education and learning. So then I went and got my CPM designation and have just continued in, in even almost 40 years later. I can't believe I've been in the industry that long. Um, I continue to, to take courses and and really uh, am interested in learning and growing. So you you and stephanie have a
0: similar story because um, stephanie started in real estate right when she was out of college but it's a little bit different scenario so you two have been at it from the get-go and have seen you know so many changes in our industry so when you worked for heinz is that the ketchup company was it their corporate real estate office no um
1: heinz uh gerald heinz based out of houston Okay. H-I-N-E-S, not not H-E-I. Okay. I was yeah. thinking I needed to get some French fries going here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> some great, I, I swear. I mean. <laughs> that would
1: have been a good company to work for too. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love, I love Kathy about the whole psychology thing. It was so funny because a few weeks back I, I was, uh, you know, it's been summer kids out of school and I was overhearing my Uh, 17-year-old's tutoring session as she was tutoring to get ready for the ACTs to take. Mm. Her tutor said, what are you going to major in in college? And she said, psychology. She goes, oh, do you want to be a psychologist? She goes, no, I'm going to sell real estate. (laughs) But that's what she's chosen, you know, to go and do. So, because you're right. She's heard me say for all these years, 17 years of her life, you know, real estate is a people business. And, And I mean, it is that. And um, I love, you know, you, you've had a lot more experience than I have. I've been in the business 24 years. You've been in the business 40 years. Talk about all your experience and what you're doing with developing business and
1: real estate strategies and all of that now. Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, started early in the industry and really went through the kind of property management, asset management path initially. And um, I worked for Tremble Crow Company from uh, 1993 to 1995, and really took my asset management experience and helped them develop this uh, national services platform, because at the time, they were really individual cost centers around the country. And that was really during the time that I thought, I, I feel like there's a gap in the industry. Um, And there's, you know, really great tenant rep brokers, those that focus on um, transaction and really understanding, you know, kind of street smarts, if you will. And then the flip side of that is um, high level strategy. So, you know, if you wanted a a business strategy or a corporate real estate strategy, you might call a Deloitte or an EMY, right? And they'll come in with like 10 super smart MBAs right out of college and they'll sit in your office for a week or a month. you know, depending on how big the project is. And I just felt like high level strategy with no street smarts and street smarts with no high level strategy. And I was really looking for a way to sort of marry those together. So I uh, started Spencer Consulting 18 years. We celebrated our 18th anniversary. And um, I'd love to tell you because my mind always goes to strategy. I'd love to tell you I had this perfectly orchestrated strategy to build my business I didn't I just (laughs) I was winging it like many of us do right Mm -hmm. and um I started just uh calling all of my contacts and specifically I was very actively involved with crew commercial real estate women Mm -hmm. and I started calling all my crew contacts um I started locally and then went nationally at the time there was about 300 members locally and, uh, probably three, four, three, four thousand um, nationally, and just started telling them what I was doing and how I was doing it. And I, you know, knock on wood, I was so fortunate that I started uh, getting phone calls. And so that crew connection, and, and for those of you out there that, you know, even if you're not involved with crew, crew specifically be involved with something. I loved crew because it it was all about um, women supporting women. But those connections after 20 years in in the industry um, were just so powerful when I was starting to build my business. I bet you guys are finding that as well. Just the connections and the contacts. And I think especially women are so good about building relationships and really focusing on building those relationships instead of just sort of, you know, transaction, get out, one and done kind of thing. So what we really started was a platform that um, that outsourced corporate real estate services to companies across the country. So if you think about it, big companies, you know, the Googles, the Amazons of the world, they're going to have a full blown corporate real estate department and somebody's strategically managing their real estate. And so we really work with that next level down, the companies that are large enough, they need someone to focus on their real estate, but not large enough that they might have a full blown department or even a, a, a person, right? A single person. So um, yes. Yeah, so we just started providing corporate real estate services to companies across the country and for, for our clients, that's different. I mean, it, it varies. and. You know, most of the time a client will call us in because they're in some the middle of some sort of change. So they may be going through a, you know, a merger or an acquisition. We worked with several startup companies. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll give you one example. There was a, a London-based firm that came in and bought a, a five companies with similar services. And we spent two years just integrating those companies. And so you think about if you have five companies and you're merging them all together, what does that look like? Not only from a company culture perspective, but think about the real estate behind that. Right. So the three of us merged together Well, you have an office, I have an office, you know, you, in, in this particular company, you know, there was offices in Chicago and Atlanta and you know, all over the country. So we had to really sit down and think about what do we look like in the next two years as a merged company together right and so then there's practical real estate aspects that you then consider you have an office in chicago i have an office in chicago now what do we do do you move into mine do i move into yours do we you know give up the both offices and move into a completely different one and then you've got to dispose of real estate and and things like that so So are you,
0: Kathy, are you, are you looking at the questions? Are you asking the strategy questions from a data analytics standpoint, from the human perspective, from, you know, how much does it cost me to get my widget from point A to point B with all these different offices? Talk, uh, talk to our audience about, you know, some of the questions or, you know, these strategic mindset they can be thinking about when they're talking to their
1: clients and, and what that looks like. Absolutely. I, I, if you think about what I'll call the typical real estate process, um, any client that you're working with, any company that's involved in a business, and doesn't matter what industry they're in, they're really going through the real estate process. Right. So think about it. So we sit down with the client and we and, and the first thing I always say is, what are your business goals and objectives? Right. So next year, five years, do you have a long-term strategic plan? And then now, I want to make sure that real estate aligns with their business goals and mission. Right, that's really my primary job. And so, what does that in, in, what does that entail? So we sit down and we say, okay, let's. One of our clients said, um, this this was a really interesting client, startup company, but they had a huge financial backing. And they said, we want to open um, nine offices across the country in the next 90 days. Okay, so what we did is we rolled out a plan by which most of those offices were on a temporary basis because 90 days, you guys know the real estate process takes a whole lot longer than that. And so we looked at site selection, say, so where do you want to go? Why do you want to go there? And now that you've selected an area, uh, we actually touch down, hire a broker. Um, Brokers in local markets are super important. You know, they they understand the market. They know what landlords to avoid. They know, um, you know, being on this side of the highway versus that side of the highway makes a huge difference, right? So the local expertise is really, really impactful. And then we, you know, we determine the site, we negotiate the lease, we do the space planning, the construction drawings, manage the construction, procure the furniture, hire the movers, you know, um, move them in. And then I always like to be there. This is just kind of my favorite thing. I like to be there the, the weekend before everybody shows up and just do some of kind of the final staging, if you will. So we're really just soup to nuts on, you know, providing these services to our clients. So for, for you guys, really, it, your process is probably the same. You, maybe you don't take it as far as I do in the process, but, you know, really understanding the company's business model, what's important to them, and then try to execute the strategy accordingly, Kathy, is
2: there one particular um, you know, style or, or type of com- company that you work with? Like, for example, in the restaurant industry, do you do anything with 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 expansions across so many states with that?
1: Yes. We so we've done uh, retail. Manufacturing, warehouse. I'd say the majority of our clients are really involved in traditional office space. So they're going, they're tenants in multi-tenant office building. That's probably 80% of our clientele. And then there's the kind of the one-off manufacturing and and retail. We did a um, we did a project for a retail client where they go into a market and they open 10 stores, like when they decide on a market, they go in and open 10 stores around that market and they're 1000 square feet. Yeah. So, you know, from a broker perspective, that's a very difficult transaction. Right. So, um, yeah, so that's where the relationships come in because, you know, Stephanie, if I'm calling you and saying, "Will you do a 1000 square foot transaction for me, you're like, uh, okay, well, you know, maybe you know. sure, Kathy. I'll yeah, do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you know, you it, you don't make much money off that, right? So um, maybe
0: if there's ten of them, you would. I mean, that would right. be a great relationship builder, right there. To right. say, hey, we plan on doing ten of these in the next ninety days, or six months, or a year, or whatever. And that's
1: really what we bank on. That you know, we're establishing these relationships, and I can call. I can call somebody in that market and they're going to be able to assist me, even if it's not a huge money maker, you know, because we've built that relationship. We are building that relationship. And I just think that's so important. I mean, that's what this industry is all about. It's just those connections and those relationships. That's right. And
0: then do you also offer on your corporate services side, um, lease administration? And are you getting down into the granular of um abstracting all the leases, paying all the invoices, doing all that kind of stuff for them?
1: Yeah, for every client, it's a little different, but absolutely on abstracting the leases, lease administration. um, And then we interface with the corporate uh, finance and accounting departments. So we're not typically paying the rent. We're just telling the accounting department, we'll do reports on a monthly basis and the accounting department knows what rent to pay.
0: So you tell them you pay the rent. Are, are you primarily speaking with C-suite individuals, or who yeah, are you willing to, you know, engage your services?
1: Yeah, um, CEOs, COOs, CFOs. Uh, we have a client relationship where we report directly to the chief human resource officer. That's not that's not super unusual. Uh, we have another relationship that is with the chief legal officer. So those are kind of the primaries, yeah. And Kathy, um, oh, sorry, Lisa Marie, go ahead. Kathy, you you just um,
0: dropped this on us before we went live today that you received your plaque for being a CCIM for 25 years, and um, I'm in the process as we talked about of finishing my CCIM <laughs> pin journey, and um, I I think it's and I know it's a wonderful organization, and you talked about how Stephanie and I do too, about how this business is based on relationships. And those are some amazing people that are in the CCIM world. <clears throat> Talk to us about what have been the highlights of your 25 year membership in CCIM and what, um, you know, what are some of the things, the big takeaways that you've
1: had? Wow. That's a yeah, big question. Uh, I'll, I'll start with the second question first, because it's the easiest. What what the biggest takeaway for me has always been um, is education. I mean, I just think continuing to learn and grow and um, continue your education, regardless of how many years you're in this industry, is, is just so impactful. And CCIM specifically is such a prestigious designation. I mean, it really sets I mean, you you can be a, a typical real estate professional or a broker or an asset manager. And it's kind of like to me, you can be an accountant or you can be a CPA. And they both do primarily the same thing, but that CPA designation really sets you apart. That's how I feel about CCIM. I mean, it just really sets you apart. It says that you have gone through the educational process and that last exam, I don't mean to be worried. its it's it's te- it's a it's a big exam. So, um, you know, people who have their CCAM went through this process. They have the experience because you have to, as you know, have a certain number of years of experience in order to even get your CCAM. So it's the education, the experience and then that monster test. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm just always once you once you have it you really understand the elevation of others you have a, a greater respect for others and so if i'm in a market and all else is equal and there's a broker let's just say a, i'm sorry just a plain broker versus a broker who has their ccim i'm always hiring the ccim always because Again, you
0: know you know what they've been through and what they had to do in order to earn that pin, yes. And um, you feel kind of like family or part yes. of the same group in a way, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And it's just and, a standard. I mean, you know, you you can vet out people, um, you you can vet out professionals, and just confirm that they can provide you the service at the level that you want. But there's something about when you see the CCIM, you say, "Okay, well, I don't even have to vet you because I just know." Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Like, I I know know. you. I see you. We're tracking. We're speaking the same language.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Kathy, going back to this amazing career that you've had in this, you know, because because you do have a, a a certain I mean, it's a great niche. Right. I mean, it, it, your process of what you go through. I mean, I'll be honest that that's not even my interest. So I'm glad to have met you because there's so many people that need the services, especially businesses and, and companies and so forth. And it makes me think of all the times I could have utilized you in 24 years of doing deals of, oh, Kathy could have made this easier for me. Talk to us about, you know, with what's going on now. Is it always about the expansion or are you doing consulting for minimizing companies as well?
1: Well, first of all, Stephanie, it's not too late. You you missed me the last 24 years. I'll be around for, I'll be around, I'll be around for another 24 years, God willing. <laughs> but um, yeah, so so it's it's really all about strategy. So starting with the strategy. And I've, I've been fortunate enough to work with more companies that are in expansion mode than I have with in contraction mode, but I have. We worked for a, a very large national a staffing service company, and we contracted them from 100 offices to 20 offices. Wow. So that was a, uh, they were coming out of bankruptcy. Um so chapter 11, so re- reorgan- reorganization and, um, and it, it, I mean, it's funner, more fun to do the expansion, expansion yeah. uh, but you know, it, 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 was an important strategy to execute on behalf of this company and uh, they, they probably wouldn't have been able to maintain um, continuing to do business, uh, which they, you know, have. So we, you know, and we had to act pretty quick and we put together a, you know, a a branding package that could be executed pretty quickly and and duplicated in multiple parts of the country. And we had a a, a strategic real estate initiative and we threw it out to all our broker friends and they came back with, with locations. And then we disposed of the other 80 offices and uh yeah so it's it's really touching real estate ensuring that the real estate aligns with the business goals and mission, whatever that is and then you know executing the strategy um to enable the business to continue to to grow and, and expand and that's i mean the bottom line is the bottom line, right? Like everybody is really looking at how do I make money? How do I, which is, how do I increase revenue? How do I reduce expenses? And you guys may have heard this, that real estate is typically the number two expense for a company, typically only behind payroll. So you've got payroll number one and then real estate number two. So think about the impact you can make just helping a client save a dollar a square foot. As an example, right? Right. If it's a dollar a square foot entire across their entire portfolio, I mean that's a big impact. It's a lot of dollars. A lot of dollars, right? Yeah. So there's there's aspects of that that are ongoing, and uh, you mentioned lease administration. I mean that's an important thing to have on board and really be able to um, to to monitor critical dates when you can renew and when the rent increases and um, operating expenses are a big one. I'm being able to reconcile operating expenses or in in retail cam expenses and uh, just ensure that the client is paying the amount that they're supposed to be paying and not a penny more. Right. How
0: many times have you, I know I've seen this quite a few times in my 18 years where a tenant client is paying too much. And they don't even know it. They're just on autopilot. Like the, you know, accounts payable department is just like, this is what we're paying. The landlord doesn't say anything. So going in and auditing is another way to help your clients save money that they could be using to grow their business or use for something else.
1: Absolutely. It's one of my favorite things to do, although it's not, it's not, it's not not the most fun thing to do, but it is one of my favorite things to do because it It really does create value for the client. And so if you can go in and 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 sometimes it's a 100% just completely honest mistake, right? So if you have a property manager or or an accounting department that's reconciling uh, operating expenses or CAM expenses at the end of every year, they may just have sort of autopilot template that they use, not knowing that there was operating expenses either excluded or capped or, you know, um, something like that in the lease. So, um, yeah. And and oddly enough, people just don't pay a lot of attention to it. They really don't. Especially
0: because it's not something you're looking at every month. I mean, there's an annual reconciliation and, you know, there's landlords out there that don't ever even send out the reconciliation. They just adjust the amount and then, everybody moves on. So it's not like it's in your face every month like your credit card bill or something like that. Right.
1: You're exactly right. You're exactly
0: right. Yeah. So I can see how that would definitely add value. What are what are some of the the trends that you're seeing in your in your illustrious career? And now we've had so many things that have never happened before like the pandemic and, you know, all kinds of things that are happening on you know, financially And inflation, what are some of the trends you're seeing or you think you might be seeing moving forward as far as from a corporate services standpoint that are good to pay attention to?
1: Yes. So early in my career, I really felt like real estate was a necessary evil to a business. I mean, it's something you had to have. I mean, we've got to put our people somewhere. We've got to rent some space for our stores, you know that kind of thing. And, and today, especially after the pandemic, there's so much that we're talking about with a people strategy, right? So now it's more and more focused on the people. So I'm getting, I I used to ask the questions of the CEOs and CEOs about how real estate is impacting or affecting their people, their employees. Now they're asking me, so I'm seeing a really big trend where the, the C-suite is saying we need to create an environment where people want to come back to the office, Sure, where people want to collaborate, where they have FOMO if they don't come to the office, right? And, and what does that mean? Like, what does that look like? How do we create this environment where people are excited to come back to the office? And there's, um, you know, there's collaboration and there's there's a lot of synergies that are being created because of the office space. So we, we, I mean, simple things like a lot of nice collaboration areas that people can congregate. So the
0: space design and flow of the office and even now using things like Um, you know, sensory input from sense and sounds. And yeah, I've seen some articles and even seen some examples here in Northern Nevada of where um, corporations are enticing people to come back to work. It's one thing to work from home and it's another thing to be part of an organization.
1: Right. And just, you know, little things like um, there's so much psychology and there's a lot of studies done about just um, productivity and the health of employees when there's natural light coming in, when there are plants in the space, the color you paint the wall impacts people's moods. So there, there's a lot of bits and pieces that you can um, incorporate without significant dollars. And the other trend I'm seeing is that um, multi-tenant office buildings. So if you're really, if you're a, an office building owner and you're trying to attract Tenants to come in, a lot of corporate relocations and such. Um, they are pulling out the stops on the amenities. I have never seen so many pickleball courts being installed <laughs> in office buildings, inside office buildings. Like I didn't even know what pickleball was a year ago, and now that's all everybody talks about. So I've they're been taking everywhere. yeah, they're everywhere, and I've been taking clients on on tours. And they're like, well, let's show you your amenities. And I said, let me guess. You have a pickleball court. We're like, oh, yeah. How did you know that, right? Um, And gyms and cafes and, you know. How is
2: there more productivity in the workplace when there's all these opportunities to be
1: distracted? Yeah, I think the uh, very good question. I think the the mindset is opposite than that. And it's um, how do we get people to show up how do we get them to work? And, and from a mental health perspective, we want to encourage people to take a break. Okay. And maybe okay. that's what we did. You know, some would argue, maybe that's what we did wrong before the pandemic. Right. We didn't have enough work, balance, work. Yeah. work right? We didn't have enough um, opportunities to take. And some of the big companies, you know, um, you know, had, had some trends early on, like Google and yeah. Yeah the nap pods and, you know, things like that. And so, I mean, I think there is more discussion now about mental health in the workplace and how impactful and important that is. And so are there little things we can do to encourage um, everybody, you know, somebody taking a break or, you know, when I first got in the industry, it was it was virtually unheard of for somebody to say, "I'm I need to go take my kid to soccer practice at three o'clock in the afternoon," right? Because you really worked from eight to five, like, and your boss expected you to be there from eight to five, right? And now um, we're really talking about okay, well, you know, we're all professionals, we're adults, and I'm going to go take an hour to take my kid to the soccer game and then I'm going to come back or I'm going to take my laptop with me or I'm going to, you know, there's um, so flexible office environment and flexible office space go hand in hand. Right. And then um, we've had a lot of strategic discussions with our clients about um, initially people said, oh, covid. Right. We're going to start taking half the space that we took before covid. Right, because nobody's going to come back to the office. And now the tables have turned a little bit, and I I feel like we're looking at more space to spread out. Have- I, I was, yeah, yeah, to put all these pickleball courts. You're going to
2: have to have paper. that's right. Unless yeah. you're moving desk when it's pickleball time, right? I I mean, that's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing. Wait a minute. OK, so we've already had this struggle in some markets and some cities about, you know, these these vacant office tower buildings. Right. And, and how there's so many vacancies in it. But if in order to get those back filled again, these landlords need to think about building some of those floors to be these areas that you're seeing companies put in. Otherwise, where are they going to put it, you know?
0: Well, and then there's that other expectation now, the whole six foot, you know, six feet, six feet. People now want more space around them to have that personal Mm -hmm. bubble. You can go somewhere in your building to interact, but just having a little, you know, it's not like the cubicles are up against each other anymore. At least that's not what I'm seeing as far as design in um, office and collaborative spaces Kathy, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I I've done in my career uh, quite a bit of um, you know call centers, small like just three by three workstations just lined up, right? Um, I don't think we will ever see that again. I think that's something that will go away, um, at least at least in the United States. I feel like um, that's, yeah. not Listen, that's not a bad thing. What I said? That's not a bad thing. No, no, no. Not at all. Um, I I just feel like even though, you know, we, most of us feel that COVID is over, whatever that means, um, we're still on high alert about there being something else, right? Like, uh, hopefully not ever in our lifetime, but could there be another virus or another event that would cause us to reevaluate? So... We're, so, we're really just thinking through how to lay out space, how to design space, how to really develop a, an atmosphere and an environment. So, there's just a lot of discussion about real estate in a completely different way than when I first got in the business.
0: For our, um, that's a great point. Thank you, Kathy. For our live audience today and for people watching the recording later on, If some of the commercial brokers and agents are interested in shifting into the corporate services arena, like you do, what are some resources resources that you recommend for them? Courses, you said. Just uh, what kind of resources? It could be resources. Could be lots of different things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Cornet is a great organization. And for those that don't know uh, what Cornet is, it's um, corporate real estate executives, and and those companies that support the corporate real estate executives. So Cornet has a course called the MCR. And it's another designation similar to the CCIM. Um, And even if you're not interested in getting the MCR, some of their classes are really, really great. in just walking through the Basic found fundamental aspects of corporate real estate and corporate services. So I think that's one great resource. So you could get online and order a book or take a class. Many of them are online, um, and I just I just think that was just such a beneficial. That would be where I would send if somebody walked in and said, "I really want to pursue a career in corporate real estate." That's where I'd send them. Perfect. Guess, yeah. Great. Right.
0: Anything else you'd like to add for our audience today? We've really enjoyed having you having such an experienced uh, commercial broker. And also, you know, we love to support women and uh, minorities in this business because we need more of them.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: When I think about CCIM, the small percentage of CCIM that are women historically is just kind of mind blowing to me. So um, anything else you'd like to share as a closing comments?
1: No, um keep learning and growing and um you know I just think women supporting women is is so powerful. No offense to the men. <laughs> Love the men, but you know men out there, but uh uh how cool for the three of us to be, you know, be here together. And I understand I saw I watched last two weeks ago, um, and you had a fellow Texan on. Oh, Bernadette. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, She's she's pretty she's pretty badass. She's the only guest that we've had that's been on twice. And the first time she talked about commercial real estate coaching, and then two weeks ago we talked about leverage in your business. So how to get more done.
1: Yeah. How to get more done. That's what we're always looking for, isn't it? Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's great. Thanks so much for being here today, Kathy. And um It's been a pleasure to have you, and um, thanks so much. I look forward to staying in touch with you.
1: Same. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Thank
2: you. Bye.